I'm regularly reminding the people who've raised their hand and said, like, I want to know more people are on my email list. I'm regularly reminding them based on what segment they're in. If there's a a podcast episode that I think is going to serve them, it's regularly using that medium to remind people and all of the mediums to remind people what it is that will serve them. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-seven-figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today. One that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible. One that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. Well, hey there, friend. Welcome to Online Marketing Made Easy. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here because today I have someone on the show who has built and sold multiple multi-million dollar businesses that have stood the test of time. Her name is Shalene Johnson. And in addition to creating one of the most successful fitness brands in history, she's also a New York Times bestselling author, lifestyle and business expert, motivational speaker, and the host of two top-ranked podcasts, The Shalene Show and Build Your Tribe, which we're going to talk about both and how she's built those in this episode. Oh, and she just happens to hold the Guinness Book of World Records title for the most fitness videos filmed by an individual. I think that's pretty cool. Now, to say that Shalene is a brilliant entrepreneur would be a massive understatement. She started her first business flipping cars in college to pay for tuition. And so I'm going to have her talk about that. And then since then, she's continued to create one successful business after another by identifying the needs of her audience and solving their problems. And what I absolutely love about this woman is that she delivers straight talk and simple strategies with a side of humor and has a way of breaking down incredibly complex topics into actionable steps that anyone can apply to their business. And I'll tell you, she's truly a woman after my own heart for that very reason. Now, today we're diving into how to find your niche in business and why that's important, how and when to diversify your income streams and strategies to build a connected and engaged audience that sticks with you through the evolution of your business. We're also going to talk about how she grew her podcast. We're going to talk about some tips to make Instagram work for you. We're going to talk about how to raise entrepreneurial kids. And we're going to talk about how to embrace aging on camera. I'm telling you, we got into everything, which makes this episode extra fun. So there's never a dull moment with this woman. I love her so much. Let's get to it. Well, hey there, Shalane. Welcome to the show again. Like, it's so good to have you. Amy, I'm excited to do this. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I've been looking forward to it all day because I have so many things I want to talk to you about. What's really unique about you is that there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of different directions we could go. And so this episode is going to feel like we covered a lot, which I think is the best type of episode. So 
I, I do like to do this. Most of my audience, 90% of them will absolutely know who you are, but just a few are going to be brand new to the online marketing and business building industry. So tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do. Lordy, I mean, I'm, although I'm 50, I think I'm 54. I'd have to ask my husband, but I identify <laughs> as 35. So that's a yeah. lot of years and it's a lot to condense into a couple of quick sentences, but I'm probably the majority the most people who know me, it's because they've seen me on a late night TV infomercial. I've sold tens of millions of exercise DVDs, which is crazy to think. I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records for having been in the most exercise videos, which is crazy to think because I couldn't get hired. I was so bad when I first started. Um, and I always tell people the reason why I think I've done well in that particular niche at that particular time is because I really love and have always loved business and marketing. And so because I made myself a student of business and marketing, I had lots of different businesses that like, you know, kind of worked. Uh, but that was the one that when I decided to like really just go all in, that's the one that probably made me known, right? Um, but it was a place where I never felt like, wait, I was like, wait, how did how did I end up here? Who where where did I go? And so even though it was an incredible way to get into a lot of people's homes and for people to get to meet me and know me. I never really kind of felt like I belonged there or that was what I was meant to do. And I always have been teaching and kind of a, a know-it-all when it comes to business and marketing. So I was always doing that on the side. And then I just found the consumer fitness space to be incredibly unhealthy for me. And I stepped out. You know, I stepped out on my terms kind of at the height of it for myself when I had a number one infomercial and just was like, I can't do this. This feels inauthentic and it's really unhealthy and I need to do what's best for me. Wow. That, that's a big, big decision too, because you're right. You're very well known for that. But also there's so many other things that you've done. And I want to talk about these businesses that you've built. But before we get there, we got to take it all the way back to when you were in college, your first business. When I was doing some research for this podcast, I'm like, wait a second, what? Tell everybody what you did that funded your education and kind of what that looked like. Yeah. So I was, um, I had a really good role models for my money mindset, like my parents, um, even though we struggled growing up. Like I, I didn't know that, you know, anytime we wanted something, my dad would be super creative and he'd be like, all right, let's figure out a way that you can make some money to buy that. You know? So we were, from the time I was really young, I was always like, oh, okay. Yeah. If you want something, you just figure out a way to make the money. And so when it, you know, became very apparent that no one had gone to college on either sides of my family and they didn't have the money to send me, my dad was like, well, let's come up with some creative ways for you to to make the money to pay for college. And I took all the savings that I had and bought a car. I bought a car from the state auction in Michigan. I was 15 years old and it was an orange El Camino. And I brought it home and cleaned it for like a year. I couldn't even drive, had it painted. And then when I resold it, I made, I don't know, like maybe a thousand dollars or something. Which is a lot of money when you're 16. Exactly. And I was kind of in shock. Um, and so we just kept going back to the auction to buy vehicles. And eventually I had enough money and I wasn't always going to auctions. Eventually I started just like flipping cars. I would really learn everything I could about which cars were hot. And I lived in Michigan, you know, in Detroit was like the hotbed for 
automobiles at the time. And so I would figure out like what cars were hot and, and figure out everything I could about how to flip them and turn them around and make money that way. And then eventually when I went to college and trying to do this, it didn't work because I was trying to be a full-time student. It was difficult to coordinate getting people to come and look at my car. Um, they wouldn't show up then, or they would show up. And here I am, this 19-year-old, you know, little petite blonde girl doing a cash exchange with scary adult men late at night. And I thought, this, there's got to be other people who are struggling with this. Um, and so I had this idea to rent a piece, or lease, I should say, a piece of land from the state of Michigan. And then I just picked up the newspaper and called every single person who was selling their own vehicle on their own and convince them to come to this, this plot of land on a Saturday. And I said, I'll bring people who want to buy a car from a private owner. And that became the all Michigan auto swap meet. <laughs> what? Okay. I did not get that from my research. What? Oh, yeah. So yeah. you have been an entrepreneur at your core from the beginning. I feel like that's, that's a really cool move. You were young when you did that. Yeah. But you know, the, the through line and all of it is like, okay, I'm dealing with a problem in my life right now. And I know other people are dealing with this thing too. So let me reach out to those people and, and see if this, this thing that I think would solve a problem for us will. And that's kind of been the through line of everything that I've done. And I always tell people like, no matter how frustrated you are, there's something there. Like if, if you're like, God, why isn't there a fill in the blank? It, it's not, it doesn't exist yet because you haven't brought it to the world. Like, don't be afraid to try. I love that. I love that. This idea of solving your own problems and putting that out into the world. And that could literally be a business. And, and I want to talk about business building because I have a lot of listeners who want to quit their nine to five job. They want to start a business and begin to craft a life by their own design. We talk a lot about that on the show. But the problem is, even though they might have many different talents and skills, they're not really sure what they should focus on in their business. In other words, they're not sure of their thing yet. And this is something that comes up over and over again. I've talked about it, but I'd love a different perspective. So do you have a process or a system that they can use to help identify what their thing is? Yeah. And my, my advice is different from a lot of people's. I think, um, you know, having done worked with entrepreneurs for now 20 years, I think there's so much pressure around finding your thing, which sounds like it's going to be written on your tombstone which sounds like it's going to be how you will be identified for the next 20 years, that that is, it's, it feels like a marriage. It feels like, like you cannot mess this up. You better get it right. And if you come up with something that's not big enough, then, you know, how can you make a difference in the world? So I, I tell people, don't worry about like what your thing is. Fitness was not my thing. I mean, it was one of the things I enjoyed, but it wasn't like my thing. I tell people, look for the opportunity that gets you excited right now. And just the thing where you're like, you know what, this would work right now because nothing, I know this is going to sound kind of cliche, but nothing motivates people and gives you more momentum than just a little bit of success. So if you can pick something, even if it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not completely passionate about this, but I can see that a lot of people want it and there's an opportunity here to help some people and make some money while I'm doing it, then friggin' do it because that will, that'll give you this motivation to be like, Oh, wow. It wasn't that hard. It wasn't that big of a deal. And I can change lanes later. Okay. I love that you said that. You don't know this, but that's the same advice that I give where I'll say it doesn't have to be set in stone forever and just give 
get it to be your starter idea. We just got to get started. Uh, action creates clarity. Once you're out in the world, your next thing will come to you and it's usually bigger and better. Always. You got to start somewhere. So I love that you give that advice. A hundred percent what I say. You can't be afraid to make mistakes. That's, you know, someone asked me the other day, do I think everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur? And I used to say yes, but I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think um, it is a special breed of individuals who are like truly have that entrepreneurial spirit. You can't, your brain has so many ideas. You don't know which one to pick first. I think that's a special person. The person like everything that they look at, they're like, that's an idea. That could be something. And that could be something that is a unique brain. And I don't think everyone has that. I do feel, however, everyone and their brother can find a way to make some money online. And is that entrepreneurial? Yeah. I just think there's degrees to it. Ooh, yes. I do think there are degrees to that. Absolutely. Like my sister is a second grade teacher. She does not want my life. She sees like how much I work or how I work. She doesn't want to be in the limelight. She doesn't want any of this. And so she is meant for what she's doing. And I don't believe she's even ever meant to be an entrepreneur, nor does she want that. So when I started to see that, I started to realize, wait, not everybody wants this or they're cut out for it. But I do think that there are levels of it. Absolutely. So I'm glad you put it that way. I want people to not be afraid to experiment with that. Like I think one of the riskiest things, honestly, people could do today is to rely on one stream of income. I mean, with the massive changes that are happening with AI and everything else, it's like just having one thing is so risky. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I want to talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. 
Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. Okay. You just literally don't know it, but you just set me up because my question was going to be your career and your niche actually started in fitness, but over the years it's grown. And today you have many different topics that you teach from marketing to finance, which also means you have multiple streams of revenue. And that is exactly what I want to talk about. So how did you know when it was the right time to introduce something new to your business? And how do you do that without feeling totally scattered? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So you, as many other people have said, will often kind of say, well, you, you know, you started in fitness, but the truth is I started in 85 things at once, you know, really? so while, yeah, while I was flipping cars, I was also selling eBooks. I was also doing personal training. I had also franchised a personal training business. Like I was doing all of these things. I was trying to teach business and marketing, um, to women who were new moms. This is like in my, early thirties, late twenties, um, in hotels. Like I was trying to do like all these things. Cause I'm like, all of these are great ideas and I can do them all. And I'm not going to pick one because what if I pick the wrong one, you know? And if I, if I pick one, well, then I'll lose out on this income. And eventually I just realized the only thing that was working was me and I wasn't making money at it. Like I was just working like 80 hours a week doing all the things and making a little bit from each one and just kind of feeling like a loser in all those areas. And, you know, it was just a message that I heard listening to the radio one day that made, it just kind of like hit me like, duh, I need to just do one. I just need to focus. Like all these people who have kind of been in my shoes and trying to do 95 things, none of them got anywhere until they became known for one thing. So I can do that. I can, I can, I can learn. I don't know how to focus, but I will learn. I will learn and I will discipline myself to focus on one thing exclusively, at least for a couple of years. And then if it doesn't work out, then I'll move on to the next thing that I'm excited about. And so for me, it was, um, waiting until the point in which I felt known. And when you asked, when do you introduce the next thing? I have very strong feelings about this. When you can almost, set it and forget it. When it almost runs without you, that's when you can bring on the next new thing. Or when you realize it's no longer fulfilling you or serving you and it, it's it's actually killing you, <laughs> then it's time, maybe from, from a spiritual standpoint, to you've just got to get excited about something else. Oh, I love both of those answers. Either it can run on its own or it's something that you're like, I can't do this anymore then it's time to add something new. And I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of my students want to do a million things like you just said, and they start things and they don't finish them. So this idea of getting it out there, be, being known for something that literally changed my life. When I became known for digital courses, I finally got on the map. People knew what I was about. That's a really big deal. Yeah, it's huge. The thing about people who are doing so many things and they're afraid to just pick one, and I'll, I'll often hear them say like, 
but it's doing really well. And this thing's really doing well too, but neither of those things are as successful as you want them to be. And almost, I'd say a hundred percent of the time when I talk to someone who's in that position, they're exhausted. They're exhausted, they're overwhelmed, and it's not working. So they're like really beating themselves up. They're like, you know, neither of them are really making me that much money. That same person is like, I've got these four Instagram accounts. I'm like, you don't even, you don't have any help. Why are you trying to run four Instagram accounts? Pick one. Pick one. I love that. But here's a question I've never asked anybody on the show, but I think that you would absolutely be able to answer this with your own experience. What advice do you have for building an audience that sticks with you? through the evolution of your business, because you have done a few different things. You have been known for the infomercials and the fitness. Now I feel like you're doing something different than that. How did you get your audience to come along with you? Trust. You know, I think we all worry about views. We worry about followers. We worry about pricing and how to name things and all the stuff. But like the true most valuable commodity today is trust. We can't, I mean, it's so hard to maintain people's attention today. You know, people will see a reel will get 6 million views and you, and you get no new followers for it because we just, we want to be entertained and it's really hard to create a connection with people where they're like, wait a second, there's a familiarity here. I trust this person and it's hard to create trust. And if you can create trust, you've got what I call a lifer. It's someone who's like, I I just, I, I relate to who you are. I believe in what you're saying. I, I understand this journey. You understand me. You see me and I'm here for the ride, you know, and, but you're always going to lose some of those people. You can't worry about that. You know, when I made the transition, when I stepped out of consumer fitness, I had to make a clean cut. So I went from posting, you know, having built my social media following up to, I don't know, at that point it was probably a quarter of a million on Instagram or something. And it was almost all fitness content. It was all, quick little videos, et cetera. Um, of course, I was still teaching some Instagram marketing at the same time, but my social was just fully niched to fitness. And when I stepped away from that, I deleted all of that. It, it was gone. And I never posted anything fitness related again for years, knowing that I would lose a very large percentage of my audience. And that was okay because I wanted those people who who always knew that there was more to the journey than fitness. Like maybe fitness was the gateway drug to personal development. And I believe personal development is often the gateway drug to business development, you know? And so it's people who are like, I see how you connect the dots and I'm here for it. So one thing that's really special about you is you share a lot online. So you've shared uh, about your father-in-law. It's it's Alzheimer's, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So you've shared about your father-in-law. You've shared about your ADHD, which I actually want to come back to and talk about that because you've called it your superpower. And I'm so curious about that. But you've shared with your about your kids, um, different things that happen in your life, a plastic surgery issue that you had. Like you really shared this stuff. And I have always struggled to share the personal side of me. And not that I'm super private. I just struggle with it. I don't know why. How have you done that? How have you been so open? And it seems so easy for you. Like, talk to me about that. I'd love to, because I want to be really clear. You're probably doing it right. And I'm not like, I tell my students, don't do what I'm doing, do what I'm telling you to do, but don't do what I'm doing because I don't, I'm not in the same season. So, you know, when my students look at my social media and they're like, oh, I want to post some things like that. I'm like, I'm not trying to grow my social. I have other accounts that other people run that are niched. My account is now just for fun. I've got 
eight other streams of income. I don't need to bring in income from my Instagram. So do what I do if you want to crash and burn. <laughs> oh my gosh. Literally. I mean, I have to be honest about that. I, um, my Instagram grows so slow because I'm not trying to grow it. I'm trying, I, if I've got, which I do, you know, close to 800,000 followers, I don't need another follower. I need to know the ones who've actually been with me for 11 years and I don't even know who they are. Like I need to spend my time for me. My goals are different from someone who's listening, who still does need new followers, does need to be known for something. And so I would just caution people to, to not do what I do until you're at the stage, right? Like I'm in a totally different season. I'm, I'm older than you probably, anyone who's listening. And, and I've been there and I've done that. So niche down and, and stick to one thing. Um, in your stories, however, you can be an open book. And I think it is important in our stories um, to let people know who we are, because if there isn't that familiarity, if there isn't that connection, it's hard to, to know someone. It's really hard to know someone and it's really hard to trust them. Okay. That is so true. So I love that in your stories, you can share more of it, like on your grid, let, when people come to it, you want them to know what you are all about, like how you can serve them. Absolutely. Yep. And then stories is kind of, it's like people peeking going like, but who are you really? Like, what are you really all about? What is your sense of humor? How do you, how do you live your life? How do you start your day? How do you dress? How do you style your house? Like all of these things, we're looking for these cues where we're like, oh, okay, I, I understand who they are and I connect. Oh, that's great advice. I love that. The difference between the stories and your newsfeed, I can get on board with that all day long. So I want to come back to your ADHD because you call it one of your superpowers. And I love how you reframe this. So can you talk a little bit about, about that? And did you always think you had this superpower or how did that even come about? Yeah, it's a good question. So I was not diagnosed until age 45. Really? Yeah. And how did you get diagnosed? I had Dr. Amen on my podcast to talk to him about ADHD. And at the end of it, he goes, you know, you need to come in and have your brain scanned. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I, there, I've always felt like I had a special brain, but that it didn't translate to most people. Like in school, I found recently my diary from like age 12. And it is so funny. It's like, these people who get good grades, they're, I'm smarter than every one of them. They'll all be working for me someday. And my teachers say that I'll, I don't reach my potential, but they're wrong because I'm getting other things out of the class that they're not even teaching. It was like, it was like a pep talk for me, or maybe I was hoping my parents would find it and it was an <laughs> excuse on why I had bad grades. But I, oh, I really did always, I was fortunate enough that my father also has extreme ADHD. He had his brain scanned and diagnosed at the same time. So, I had this, you know, role model who had the same kind of brain as me. So my parents never put emphasis on grades. I didn't get in trouble for being late because they were late. I didn't get in trouble for changing subjects and for being distracted or daydreaming or inventing things. I didn't get in trouble for losing things. I, I was never reprimanded or called names like lazy or you're not reaching your potential by my parents. I did in school. So I always felt like there was something unique about my brain that wasn't translating to the real world and I would compensate for it. So I did feel like it was special. And then as I became an entrepreneur and had like all these, you know, spinning plates, I felt debilitated and overwhelmed. And the things I had to do 
to remain focused, I knew weren't normal. Like I, we lived in a, a humongous home at the time and we built this like big office, but I couldn't work in that big office because I could hear noise on the street. I could hear people in the house. And so I, we had this little teeny tiny kind of like a, you, it's basically a closet under our staircase and I soundproofed it and I would work in this like basically a dungeon so that nothing would distract me. And I knew that wasn't normal. So once, anyways, once I had my brain scanned, it kind of, then I realized like, oh, not only what type of ADHD I have, but then how to manage it with lifestyle. And and for me, I'm also very open about the fact that I I do take a medication for it. I take Adderall, um, but I don't think everyone is a candidate for that. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm really open about it because I do think that people who are easily distracted, whether they've been diagnosed or not, I do think we make exceptional entrepreneurs. I was going to ask you, do you think, how do you think it's contributed to this, your success as an entrepreneur? Because I think, you know, entrepreneurs, we have to see patterns. You have to be really good at spotting the less obvious things. So an entrepreneur or someone with, who's easily distracted, when they're watching a movie, everyone else is watching the plot line. And that person who's easily distracted is thinking, I wonder where the cameraman is standing. You know what I noticed in that last scene, her shirt came was untucked. And in this scene, it's just a moment later, and now it's tucked back in. So we notice these like little details that other people don't see. And then, you know, it, you can feel bad about yourself because people are like, are you even paying attention to the movie? You're like, yeah, I am. But something very, very different than what the average person is paying attention to. And it gives us an incredible advantage because we're going to see trends before everybody else sees them. We're going to hyper-focus on the little details that make a difference. We're going to we're going to pick up on nuances, you know, that make that like 2% conversion happen that other people are like, I never even noticed that, you know, every single call to action button on the top performing websites is the certain color of green, you know, but we pick up on these weird little things. Oh, I love that. That is a superpower for sure. Okay. So that, that part, I wanted to talk to you about it. I know you talk about it a lot online and I was so curious what that looks like in your business. I'm going to take a sharp turn, which you're really good at. So there's one more topic that I wanted to make sure we got to talk about, and that is your podcast. So you actually have two podcasts. So tell everyone the name of both your podcasts. So I have one that's a business podcast. It's called Build Your Tribe that my son and I now do together. Um, and then the other one is called The Shaleen Show. And that's, it's, you know, the kitchen sink. It's everything that's going on in my life. It's anything and everything, but not related to business. Yeah. It's, it's a great show. Both of them are fantastic shows, but both of them are very highly ranked. Like they have a lot of downloads. I often see them in all the charts and I know my listeners, I have many podcasters listening or want to be podcasters. What are some secrets or tips that you can give to um, people that are wanting to grow their podcasts? Cause you've done a really good job. Yeah. So, you know, to be honest, this is a tough time to grow a podcast. It and is. why is that? Because everyone in their, like your cousin just started a podcast. Like everyone has a podcast. Gwyneth Paltrow has, like everyone has a podcast. And I will say it was way easier five, six years ago. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, the, I always say like, don't judge yourself against somebody else who's like at the top, who's been there for a hundred years, you know? So part of the success was just being an early settler. And then in addition to that, I think um, having an email list, right? Like, so 
I'm regularly reminding the people who've raised their hand and said, like, I want to know more people are on my email list. I'm regularly reminding them based on what segment they're in. Um, what if there's a, a podcast episode that I think is going to serve them? It's regularly using that medium to remind people and all of the mediums to remind people what it is that will serve them. I'll tell you what does not work, Amy, and that is promoting your just a just a simple promotion to your Instagram feed for your podcast. It will get it'll kill the algorithm. You won't get any likes or any engagement. I'm exaggerating, but like it just does not work because we don't want self promotion. Right now, if you can find a creative way to tell a story and then in the caption say something like, if that was interesting to you or if it resonates with you, you should listen to the podcast that I did on Monday. You know, send me the word podcast and I'll, I'll DM you the link. Don't use link in bio. Um, link in bio has such a low conversion rate. The link sticker box also on stories, incredibly low conversion rate, low engagement, low reach, all those things. So at the moment, of course, you know, this changes monthly, weekly, but at the moment, I think the number one marketing tip I could give to people who are promoting your podcast is use a tool like ManyChat. Um, and, and if you have a small enough following, you don't even have to use that. You can just tell people the word to comment. And then you search for that word and DM that person the link to your podcast and start a conversation as opposed to like saying, go click the link in my bio, which nobody does. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I can use some of those tips for sure. So I'm glad that you shared that. You are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to Instagram. I feel like you know so much about that. And thinking about your podcast, you do one with your son. Two episodes a week there. And then uh, we were doing three episodes of the Shalene show. A week? Yeah. That's a lot. Plus a uh, Patreon that I do once a week. So it was six days uh, or six episodes, basically a week. Um, and, you know, so the Shaleen Show ones are easy. Like, you know, there's not a lot of, they're easier than the business ones. I guess there's less preparation that goes into them because it's kind of like what's going on in my life. But they still took a lot of time. And, you know, I think we're at like 90 million downloads or something. And I, I just, there were a couple of times, if I'm being honest, in the last, like, probably six months where I would catch myself talking myself out of the idea that I'm overwhelmed. Oh, you know, like, no, you're not. You're, you're fi- like, it's, it's just because you weren't organized today, but you know, you'll just get ahead and you'll batch content and you'll do blah, blah, blah. And, and then you won't be overwhelmed next week. And I just kept having this conversation over and over and over and starting to resent the thing that I love the most, which is podcasting. And I just realized like, wait, why am I doing I don't, why do I, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I don't need to compete with myself. I don't need, I don't need to beat anyone. I don't have to, I don't have to prove anything. I want, what do I want? I want peace. And that's why I make most decisions. You know, like we were chatting before we started today, a friend of mine was, our, of our, a mutual friend of ours was talking to me about, you know, maybe writing another book someday. And I'm like, never. I mean, I should never say never, but like, I want peace. And it was, very disruptive of my piece. And I tried it twice. And I think third times would really make me a fool. Like there's other ways for me to reach people. There's other ways that make me happier and keep my life peaceful. I want peace. Oh, I love that. That's my, my word of the year. So I love that. You're saying that. Absolutely. So there's two other things I want to ask you before I let you go. Number one, I want to talk to you about aging in your business. Okay. And I've got a point to that. So I'm going to come back to that one, but also you have two kids, a a boy and a girl, and 
I think both of them are entrepreneurial. Is that right? Yeah. My daughter uh, has a, her, a, a graphic design firm and she's launching a beauty brand. And my son uh, is a digital marketer. He's fantastic. I know more about Brock, right? Yeah. Then your daughter. What's your daughter's name? My daughter's name is Sierra. And Sierra. She, she is like the antithesis. Like she wants to stay as far away from anything that could be associated with nepotism <laughs> as possible. She's like, mom, do not tag me. Do not tag me. I'm like, all right. Oh my gosh. I love her. But how did you raise entrepreneurial kids? Because I got to confess, my son also goes to Davis, like, like Brock did, and he's going to graduate in a year and he wants to be an electrical engineer. And that is his focus. That man, that boy's going to work for someone and he has no other idea in his head, no matter what I've tried. So I have not raised an entrepreneur yet. We never know what's going to come of Cade. But sure. you have, like, since they were really young, I feel like we've been doing this. How did you do that? Um, not intentional, other than like kind of just doing the things that my parents did. And I do what my goal was not to raise entrepreneurs. My goal was to raise kids who knew they could do whatever they wanted and they, they would, they would f- be able to figure out the problem. Right. So I wanted them to figure out like, okay, I've got this thing I need to deal with instead of mom going in to talk to the teacher you you're going to be able to do that. Let's figure out we'll plan what you need to say and how you want to approach this. You want to buy this special toy? Well, let's come up with a creative way to make some money. So I wanted to teach them instead of telling them, "Hey, you can do anything." I wanted them to experience that. We made them listen. We could have bought them both brand new Mercedes. We made them both buy their own cars. We mo- and they you know like Brock bought a you know old Ford truck. Um, I forget what Sierra bought, but like they. And I knew how much confidence, like, look at, I'm on a podcast, what, uh, 40 years later, telling you with such pride about the first car that I bought. Right. And I knew that was a gift that my parents gave me was to not give, but to teach me by experience that I could figure it out. And I wanted to give that same gift to my kids. So we, anything they wanted to do that was like big, we would say, let's help you figure out a way to do that. We never, you know, sometimes I watch these shows like on Shark Tank and they have like a 12 year old on there with a little suit <laughs> and he's like, you know, knows the numbers and stuff for his business. And I'm like, give me a break. Let the kid be a freaking kid. Right. Like, the kid's going to need therapy later. So <laughs> we were never that kind of entrepreneurial parent. I was like, if you want to do a lemonade stand this weekend, great. Um, Brock had like, they both had like 10 different businesses, but they would be interested in them for about three weeks. And that was enough. Yeah. Enough. That's a great point too. Letting them be interested and then uninterested when they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I just wanted to like experience like, okay, you figured it out. Yes. Okay. I, I love that. Well, it's worked really well. They're, they're beautiful kids inside and out. So it's really fun watching them. Thank you so much for that. I should have mentioned that when you said, tell people about yourself. I think that's the thing I'm the most proud of is that, and I have the most confidence in what I do is I am a great wife. We've been married for 20 years and I, and I know I did, I wasn't perfect, but I know I really focused on being the best parent I could be. And that was more important than being a great entrepreneur. And that meant a lot of times I had to do things slower. It meant a lot of times I saw I had to put blinders on because I was seeing what everybody else was doing. And I'm like, but if I do that, I won't have time with the kids. For me, it was about knowing I would never, ever get an opportunity to parent them again. But I could always like hustle and grind later. Yes. Um, and, and I, it was hard. It's, it's, and so I want to say to anyone out there who's a mom or a dad and you're in the thick of it, 
don't compare yourself to anyone who either doesn't have kids or they're, that's not their priority because it is yours. And, and that's, that's a really difficult decision, but man, you will not regret it later. Oh, I totally agree with that a hundred percent. So I'm glad you brought that up because we have a lot of parents listening. So, okay. So the last topic I want to talk to you about is aging in your business. And the reason I say this is you, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a woman come on the show and say, I'm in my fifties. First of all, I loved how you owned it right when you got on the show. And also, of course you look amazing and gorgeous. And I've always felt that way about you. (laughs) But even if you didn't, this conversation is still equally important in the sense of, you know, I started 14 years ago, so I haven't been doing it as long as you have, but I'll see videos of me 14 years ago and I'll look a whole lot younger. And so because I've done so much video watching myself age, and I know some women can relate to this, it's a little daunting to see the wrinkles come up and see you change on camera. And there's proof all over online. Have you embraced aging? Do you love, you know, getting older and embracing that? Or how, what does that look like in your world? Yeah. Okay. So let me be completely honest. First of all, um, I love Botox. Um, I love like doing all of the things. I'm a fan of, if you want to get plastic surgery, go for it, girl. Just yeah. make sure you do your research first. Um, and I'm, I'm a fan of all those things. Like I've, I've had fillers before. I need them right now. But people have said when I do that, people, I've heard people comment like, you should just embrace aging. I'm like, excuse me. Like, dude, I've been doing this. This is not about aging. I've been doing these things since the moment I could afford it. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like I'm trying to make the most of what God gave me. I, these are veneers. I had the second I had enough money to pay for veneers. I'm like, I'm fixing these Michigan teeth as fast as possible. I like, love it. You're so honest about it oh though. God, yes. Well, yeah, Cause it's not fair to someone who's like measures themselves up against like, you know, and think that this is just good genes. No, this is money. <laughs> you, you look at people who got a lot of money. They always look younger cause they can afford all the things. So there's that. But again, I, I don't know if I have like body dysmorphia, but I look, I was looking at my iCloud account yesterday and I was looking at videos from like five years ago. I'm like, what would, Oh my God, who even let me go on camera? I look horrible. Like this horrible makeup, this horrible hairstyle, these hair extensions down to my butt. What was I thinking? Like so dumb. So I usually have like rose colored glasses on and probably think I look younger than I do. Like when I tell someone my age and they don't freak out, I want to go, what is wrong with you? (laughs) You know, like I'll be like, I'm 54. And then I wait for the reaction. And then there's none. I'm like, son of a... Okay. I love it. So here's what I would say about aging. And, you know, as a woman, like I just, I just feel you fear aging, right? But every single year, this is all I can say for me is I feel smarter and I feel more attractive and maybe it's not true, but who cares? Cause that's what I feel. Amen. Right. So I, I feel like I was um, fatter, uglier and dumber probably when, you know, 10 years ago when I was probably thinner, you know, like all those things. So I don't know if it's like God's way of like making everything fair, but I, it's maybe it's confidence. Maybe you just don't care. I was going to say, there's a lot of confidence that comes from aging and also caring a whole lot less. Like I see as I get older, I care a whole lot less. And so that's a beautiful thing about aging. It's such a waste of time to worry like what other people think. Because someone will, I don't care who you are, they will find fault. So it's like, just embrace yourself. And, uh, you know, it is harder for the ladies, a thousand percent. I mean, when was the last time I watch, my husband watches like, I don't know, 
his uh, financial programs on TV. And I watch the men newscasters they bring on. I'm like, that guy is a troll. He's old and he's a troll. But they never bring on women who are old and unattractive. They have to look like, you know, 33 and va va voom. Yes, it's it's really unfair. So we do, I feel like women have it a little bit harder for sure. But also I think I love that you said you feel smarter, sexier, confident as you get older. That's a beautiful thing. I think <laughs> that's the way to do it for sure. So tell me this before I let you go. What are you excited about right now? What's going on? What are you looking forward to? What's happening? Yeah, you know, I am excited for well, I just started uh with therapy with a new therapist. So I'm always excited to find out like how can I be a better human? Um and that sounds like cliche, but if I were to be specific about it, I don't really know how to be a great parent to my adult kids. So I feel sometimes a little useless to them, if that makes sense. Like when, when I used to be able to tell them what to do, I knew I could make their lives better. Like, but now I have to like stand back and let them just do what they want to do. And I have to learn how to do that and also still feel valuable or like good about myself. So that's an honest thought that I, and I, I get excited to, to grow because life is easier when you grow. And I'm also excited to just embrace this season where my kids aren't at home and we can take on these things that I had always kind of waited until the time was right, waited until we have more bandwidth and we've got more bandwidth now. And, and so that's exciting. Oh, absolutely. It's like a new season. So and I feel like you're really embracing it. So tell everyone where they can learn more about you. Well, the regular day-to-day stuff, my Instagram stories, I think are pretty epic. They are. I'm constantly sharing like whatever crazy fun thing that I think is going to make your life better. So I'll probably make you spend more on Amazon than you need to. <laughs> and, uh, it, and if you're for business, I would tell people, listen to Build Your Tribe. Yes, absolutely. Great, great podcast. My friend, thank you for being here. I was so looking forward to having this conversation. I'm glad we got to kind of go all over the place because these are all the things my audience wants to hear about. So thank you so very much. Amy, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. So there you have it. I don't know about you, but I am always blown away by that woman. I feel like she has a wealth of knowledge and I love all the advice that she shares because it comes from actual experience. Like she's done it herself. She's in the trenches. She's made the mistakes. She's put a ton of hard work over many, many years into this. So what she says, I feel like it has extra weight to it in the best possible way. I think one of my most favorite parts is when I was asking her about being so vulnerable on social and she's like, don't do what I do, do what I say. And like, who's usually honest like that? Like, I thought that was very refreshing. And also it had me thinking, just stay with me here for a minute and then we'll end this episode. But it had me thinking, you know, we follow people's advice. We look at what they're doing online. We try to mimic it, model it. Oh, they're doing that. I should do that. Or she's sharing a lot on social media. Maybe I should share more. But Shalene said something that I probably need to talk about even more, which is seasons. We're all in different seasons. You, if you're still in a nine to five job, you just read my book, Two Weeks Notice. You're thinking about leaving your job, starting your own business. You, my sweet friend, are in a very different season than I am 14 years in. Now, I make sure that when I teach something, and I know Shalene does this as well, I know who I'm teaching to, and I make sure I give them the advice that works for their season. 
So whenever you come into my world and you learn from me, I'm very clear about where you are and where you want to go. And I teach you for the season you're in. But just watching people online and what they're doing, we can't compare like, oh, I've got to do that because we're not really sure what season they're in or what their goal is. Shalene's like, I'm not trying to grow my social media. Uh, I've never even heard that before. I feel like everyone's trying to grow their social media. That was interesting to know. So before you, here's my point, before you compare yourself or think you're not doing enough to someone online, someone on social, you're seeing them do something that you think you should do, remind yourself they could be in a very different season. So why don't you put your head down, get clear on what you want, what you're going after, and you just do what's best for you. How refreshing is that? That's kind of what I took away from this talk today amongst a lot of other things that I thought were incredible. So if you loved it, tell me your favorite part. Jump on Instagram, DM me. Let me know what you love most about this episode. I want to hear from you. I'm just at Amy Porterfield on Instagram. Hopefully you're following because that's where I share most of my tips, secrets, and strategies. All right, my sweet friend, I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.